Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Today's episode of Real Talk with Zuby is brought to you by our sponsors, OZ Lifestyle Brands. OZ Lifestyle Brands care a lot about the details. Their selection of men's accessories balance style with substance and quality and craftsmanship, showcasing both casual and classic designs. They also make shopping really easy for you. You can just go check out their website, ozlifestylebrands.com. They've got a fantastic selection of watches, wallets, t-shirts, and other accessories, especially designed for men with ultra-discerning tastes. OZ is for men who have found their calling but don't feel the need to shout about it. So I recommend you go check out their full range of products over at OZLifestyleBrands.com. To let them know that I sent you and to get 20% off your entire first order, just use the code ZUBYMUSIC at checkout. That is ZUBYMUSIC, Z-U-B-Y MUSIC at checkout to get 20% off your entire order at OZLifestyleBrands.com. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Two for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destiny. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking to another artist. She is based out of Detroit, Michigan. She recently hit the headlines in a couple different countries, in the U.S. news and in Canadian news as well, for pulling out of a festival where they were doing something a little bit crazy with the ticket prices, but we will get into that. Tiny Jag, I would like to welcome you to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I am doing very well. Um, thank you so much for having me today, Zuby. I appreciate it. That is all good. Always good to talk to another artist. I've done a really brief intro there, so why don't you tell the people a little bit more about who you are? Okay, so yeah, I'm Tiny Jag. My first name is Jillian. Um, either one is fine, but I am a rapper, singer, songwriter from Detroit. I have been producing music at this level and taking it this serious for about a year and a half now, maybe about 18 months now. Mm -hmm. Um, I have headline shows here as well as Chicago and Austin, Texas, as well as New York. Um, Had a lot of fun, done a lot of shows, upwards of like maybe 60 shows in the last 
year and a half. So had oh, a wow. lot have, have had a lot, a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to get it figured out. <laughs> awesome. So how would you describe your music to somebody who hasn't listened yet? Um, dual is the word I like to use quite a bit. Um, because on one hand, you get that just undeniable, just like rage sound um, that is just very electric, very alive, um, very purposeful, aggressive. But at the same time, there are principles that are coded in that music. There are things that are very close to my heart coded in that music. It's just wrapped up in a very expressive way that is able to be a therapeutic outlet for me. And it allows me to be peaceful on a regular basis that I can let it out like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, that is definitely what it is for me, a very cathartic medium for me that just so happens to be therapeutic for those who listen to it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting talking to you right now because, you know, I can tell you're very chilled, measured, amiable person. In the music, though, there's definitely like an underlying tone of angst or aggression in there. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So you talked about the the overall message and the substance you're putting out there. I mean, what's the... I'm a rapper myself. I know how hard it is. I, I never ask someone, what do you rap about? Because I know it's, right. an, I know it's an impossible <laughs> question to answer. Um, but I'd say the oh, your overall message, um, you might have an answer to this. You may not. But would you say you kind of have an overall message that you want to put out to the world? Due to how big of a, and big is just a lack of better word, due to how of, um, just impactful of a decision it was to decide to do music full time because it was true to me. Um, my message is always about following your heart in so many different ways. So whether mm. it is um, in situations relevant to today, like inclusion and things like that, being yourself, being able to be yourself unapologetically in any room, in front of any group, within any community, um, being able to own that and um, just have agency with your existence. That is like a huge message for me. And, and underneath that umbrella, there are tons of other things as well, as far as women's empowerment and um, health. Honestly, I'm really big on getting uh, health into the black community mm -hmm. um, for sure, for sure. So there is there's a lot of that. Um, same with just like sustainability, even there. You can find that in the music. You can find all types of things, but they're all about one, me making sure that I'm staying true to me and being and talking about things that I want to talk about and hoping that that message sends that same idea to those that mm. are listening. Yeah, that's dope. I love that. Thank I mean, you. I think in, in hip hop, one thing that people always say to the point of it being a cliche is be yourself or be authentic or keep it real. Keep it real is really the main cliche one. But yeah, absolutely. Funnily enough, I feel like in the world of hip hop and rap, at least in the modern sense, I think that's actually pretty rare. I think that keeping it real almost has two meanings. I think by real, some people kind of mean like hood or gangster or Keep it street. <laughs> street. Yes. You know, they kind of use it as a metaphor. Right. Whereas to me, real means, you know what? Like if you are, uh, if you're not that, then it's not real to say that. And, you know, I mean, I right. imagine in most rappers, certainly these days are not necessarily coming from that kind of, kind of background. You know, I think if, I don't know, Drake came out and was, you know, rapping about, gang banging and selling crack, you know, it would be like, that would be like, wait, hang on, but that, that's not his background. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, sa same with myself, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause I have people who on one hand are always like, you know, who love me for my realness and my authenticity, because I'm very open about 
my background and where I'm from. I've never lived in the hood. You know, I've had a relatively privileged upbringing and I'm totally cognizant of that. And I don't pretend in any way, shape or form to be like out, you know, gang banging or coming from growing up in the streets and, you know, trying to get my mom. I'm like, I can't, I can't talk about that because that's not my story. So from the very beginning, I was like, I'm not going to try to portray myself as anything that someone can do a little background check on me and be like, Oh, hang on. No, no, no. This guy's a, this guy's not what he's saying. But then on the other hand, you get people who say, Oh no, that's not real because he's not rapping about that street stuff. And I'm like, that's not where I'm from. It's or not real with, for me. No, or with me, <laughs> even with my accent, because um, I'm from the UK, but I didn't grow up here. Gotcha. So, yeah, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I went to an American oh, wow. school. Yeah, so I, I, my accent, as you can probably hear it, it's somewhere between American and British. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'll get people here in the UK who are like, oh, like, Zuby's not real. He's trying to be American. He's trying to, and I'm like, I, I didn't grow up here, man. Like, man. I, I'm like, I, I sound like me. I'm not going to sound like, uh, you know, Stormzy or Skepta or some other right. London rapper because and why That's do you want me I'm to? From. Why do I have yeah. to sound like that to be real? Yeah, yeah, it's very strange, right? Very strange. So tell us a little bit more about um about your background and growing up. Okay, yeah, it's all over the place, like all over the place. I was when I was born, I was born in Detroit, but right away um we had we were living in um Hamtramck, which is actually a small town inside of Detroit. Like it's, okay. it's surrounded by all, at all angles by Detroit. It's the oddest thing. It's only about two miles wide. Um, but it's, it's right inside of Detroit. And then from there I moved, um, to the East side of Detroit with, so when I was born, I lived with, uh, my mother, her mother and her mother's husband. Okay. So that, so my mother is a biracial woman. My grandmother is a white woman and then her husband is a a white man was a white man okay so although he wasn't my biological grandfather he was the only grandfather that I knew Mm. so at that time my my background as far as being raised is my mother and then those two they all lived together and that was until I was maybe five or six they moved to Kentucky and me and my mother moved to Detroit from there Mm. so I was spending um maybe like three months out of every year out in Kentucky on the farm, which was very, uh, not a culture shock because it started happening at such a young age, but was very different from, from home. You know, I'm yeah. playing with the kids on the block at home and I'm going out to the country where there's not another house for a mile this way, a mile that way, you know, and yeah. my, when I'm spending my day helping my papa bail hay, you know, feed, feeding the cows and the chickens and the goats and the, everybody, you know. Um, I'm doing that type of stuff, but then I'm coming back, you know, during the year, during the school year to the block, mm. you know, and I'm, but I'm in private school. So that's another element. So I'm in okay. private school. I live on the block. I live in Detroit, yeah. but I got my country family, my white mm. country family that I go feed the farm with yeah, in yeah. the summer. So I'm like all over the place with it. Very seasoned early. And then I went to we, we couldn't afford, my mother couldn't afford the tuition anymore for at the private school. So she um, wanted me to still have a good education. And at the time, because of all of the economic disparity, Detroit, the schooling is just not what we would want it to be. It wasn't then. It still isn't now. Um, at least there's there are more eyes on the issue where hopefully we'll be able to move the needle in the direction that really, really matters. But um, it wasn't it wasn't an ideal opportunity if we had any other options left. So it was actually more affordable for my mom to get us something small in the suburbs. um, So I could go to suburban 
public school um, to get the education. And so then we moved to the suburbs and I graduated from high school in, in the suburbs before I went away to college um, in a small community about two hours away from here where okay. I gained even an, even more knowledge and just tolerance is a, mm. is a big word I want to use. Okay. Tolerance and, um, and understanding for, for things that are different around me as if all that other stuff didn't open my eyes to plenty. But all, all of those experiences together, I would definitely consider very influential elements to my background for sure. Okay. No, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of parallels there. Not everybody gets the opportunity to see multiple different places and cultures and interact with lots of different people from a young age. Um, and I'm so grateful. I think it's, uh, one of those things that I don't want to make a sweeping statement, but I think you can, you can tell when people have had that and you can kind of tell when they haven't, um, like where I grew up. I mean, literally from the age of, from preschool, you know, I was surrounded by people of every race, every ethnicity, you know, I was in Saudi Arabia, they had Brits, Americans, Canadians, Arabs from the, the whole, like all the Arab countries, you had people from South America, Japan, China. Wow. And so, you know, literally from the age of three or four, like wow. all, all my classmates, all that, you know, and even the different religions growing up in a Muslim country, I myself am a Christian, but you know, as you just one thing that really hits me hard about these current times is that it's weird to me when people start playing lots of these identity games or identity politics games and whatever. The whole thing's really weird to me because I've always grown up without that being a With thing. a lot of tolerance. Yeah. Yes, Kelly just, tolerance going yeah. On. It's just, just, just not being a big deal, you know, hanging out yeah. with other black people or white no. people or Arab people mm-hmm. or Muslims right. or, or, you know, it's, just, it's it was always just whatever. Like my circle of friends, it's just, whatever. I you know, there's no point really using the term like I don't see race because obviously I have eyes I can <laughs> I can see what people visually look like, but it just doesn't it doesn't tell me anything beyond that. You see what I right. mean? Right. Absolutely. It doesn't influence that, how you feel. Yeah, yeah, and it seems really weird that there seems to be this like push and people call it progressive, but I'd, I'd say it's anything but there's this kind of push to fall back into these factions where it's not just Zuby talking to Tiny Jag. This is a this is a black man talking to a black woman. It's just like, <sighs> it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter if I'm talking, if I'm talking to a, a white guy, I'm not speaking to him as a white man. I'm just, I'm just talking to whatever his name, <laughs> whatever his name is, you know, I just, right. I just don't see the world that way. And I, I get, I get a lot of criticism for it. Like, I mean, you may have already seen on Twitter in the very short time, you know, we've Wait. been interacting. Like, <laughs> I, I get, yeah, I get, I get all this. It's very strange. And I'm just like, what's, What's going on here? So while we're on the subject, let's get to the meat, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to be anticipating, which is um, the issue that recently arose with this festival. You're local to the story. You were involved. You were going to perform. So why don't you just run us through the story? Okay. So I had a um, fellow artist that I had done a couple or maybe not even a couple, but we had a business relationship. He had done some work for me and um, he had asked if I would be willing to do a show with his, with him and his friends, then this would have been in April. I agreed because as I said, no problem. We had, we had exchanged services before that was not a big deal. Um, He said it would be in July and that was the bulk of um, the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, In August, I received August. No, in July, I received a direct message. I received, received a DM from a third party with my flyer, with a flyer, with my face on it, with a location, a date, uh, everything. I had not 
received anything since that April conversation, especially not from this third party. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't even make the connection. And I originally responded that I'm not even on this show. You know, I'm oh, not, I don't yeah. even know what this is. Mm. And um, I checked with my manager, like, did you guys book me for something? Did you guys forget? Like, what's up? And they're like, no, we searched the emails, everything. And it was like, no. So I'm like, I don't even think I'm on this show. And um, they asked, like, well, did you speak to that that original artist? And I'm like, well, I'm probably I talk to him all the time, but I, not about this. But I ended up agreeing just off the strength of that relationship I had with him mm-hmm. to support the event. And that that was that they sent over the promotional materials and I began to promote the event. Up to 48 hours later, I got a screenshot from a white friend of mine who um, planned to come to the event. And when she went to buy her ticket, she saw that there was an early bird option for $10 for POC and $20 for non-POC. And the screen that she originally sent to me did not have a description beyond that. necessarily for anyone for anyone listening who's not familiar with the lingo poc is person of color aka non-white so from there i gave them the benefit of the doubt Mm. and because there was no description and although i knew what poc meant i'm like no way because i've never seen anything like this so and i knew nothing about it and there's no way i would assume that something like that would be going on and i'm an artist on the show and i wouldn't know I reached out to the curator that had sent me the promotional materials and, you know, just asked for some clarification. Like, what does POC mean regarding ticket sales? And I didn't get an answer right away. And I was definitely triggered in the moment for sure. So I called, <laughs> I called that um, original, that, that fellow business relationship artist. I reached out and talked to him and he said he was unaware of that. Okay. And so now it was looking really interesting. Hmm. So... That curator ended up reaching back out, explaining that the discrepancy was to um, try to give Blacks the opportunity to patronize an event that they may not be able to afford and keeping uh, non-POC individuals with a closer proximity to wealth from buying all the tickets before um, any people of color would have or Blacks would have any uh, would have an opportunity to purchase their tickets. Mm. I just I just immediately said I couldn't support the event and that I would like to be taken off all promotional materials. And, um, and then I issued an apology to my fans because I did support that event for 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. So I issued an apology to my fans for anybody that may have been triggered because I knew I was. Yeah. So it kind of just, there was a whirlwind from there. I, I started receiving a very intense amount of hate from, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I definitely had a couple other things to say too. I was upset, Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, I, you, you can, you can say them on here. <laughs> okay. I might've made a hypothetical situation where if somebody were to ever charge my grandmother, double anybody else in front mm. of me, that somebody might be getting beat up and it wouldn't oh, be yeah. her. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But um, again, it's hypothetical because my, my grandmother's late. She's not with us anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a hypothetical thing to really express just how I was though. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, I'd, I'd imagine obviously given your background and your family structure, which you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I mean, for you personally, that must've been, I mean, I, I saw it and I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, <laughs> I'm obviously not a white person, right? But right, I, was like, right. I, was like, I was like, this is offensive to everybody. Man. This is, you know, this is both implying that creating this idea that like POC equals poor to begin with or that like 
you know, me as a black person, like why I can't afford to pay the extra $10 or, right. you know, and then obviously to a white person, it's like, wait, wait I'm being charged double here. What's, go- <laughs> what's, what, going, what's, on? what's going on here? Yeah. It's just one of those things that, um, they certainly didn't think it through, but um, and I but think carry that's on. where I am now. So, but mm. yes, so I did um, had a couple things to say other than the apology. But as soon as the apology came out, I started to get quite a bit of backlash from a, initially local the local Detroit music scene and an art scene. Okay, um, which is what caught the attention of the local press. Our local press, at least um, the Metro Times here, they are. They, they do support me as an artist yeah. and um, they have for a while. And so, but they did just organically catch wind of, of the hate just because mm-hmm. there was so much and it's never happened before. I'm typically yeah. a very um, admired artist just because of my views. Yeah. But um, so it was, yeah, it, it shocked them. And so that was where the, the press began. And um, so what, what was the, what was the hate? What was the criticism being levied at you? That I was protecting my white side and using my white privilege to dismantle what was going on. I was standing in the way of something that was fighting for equity for the black community. Mm. Um, I was ignorant to what was what was trying to be done. I was ignorant to the message. Um, I'm a coon. I yeah, I've been I've been a lot of things. I've been a mulatto. I've been a lot of things lately. But um. Yes, I was essentially that I was caping for the white man is mm. basically the umbrella of where all of this was coming from, which is just. Was this your first time experiencing that kind of thing? <laughs> Zuby, I tell you what, absolutely. Like, I haven't even experienced anything close to this from my black community. And it's so interesting because the night before, literally the night before all this popped off, I did like a four, maybe even five hour interview with um a zine that and i am so sorry if she's gonna kick my butt but it's called ofe watcher and it's because the young lady that writes the zine is talking about holding white people accountable for the microaggressions for the things that hurt um black people as a fellow white person as a white ally Mm. she is writing about the microaggressions and different things that people of color deal with from non-people of color. And it's just a very, just honest, this, here are my experiences type thing. Mm -hmm. So the whole day before I spend four hours talking about these uncomfortable circumstances I've been in because of um, the the discrimination from non-POC, all of this stuff, just to wake up the next morning and be called a person who's caping for, like, it's not even, it's just not even that type of thing. So it was very, 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 um, I was floored. Like I was absolutely, I was very enlightened. Um, not only about how people feel about this situation, but definitely how some peers feel about Mm me. And, um, and yeah, I just, I didn't expect so many people to, um, the amount of individuals that I saw that agreed with it is what was so eye opening to me and something that I do see as a silver lining because with my message, I, I may have been wanting to start it. I wasn't going to start it there. I was going to start it somewhere else. And now I mm. realize I have to come meet my people here yeah. and start from here. So that is, it's mm. actually a tool. It ended up being something that I am definitely going to be able to use so that we can and do some real positive change. But it was a tough learning curve, Zuby, man. What? Yeah. <laughs> 
that, that's interesting. Well, I mean, right right now you're you're talking to someone who's uh you know over the past couple of years who's been accused uh, called called everything everything you've just said and beyond multiple times. I've been times. checking you out. You multiple they come times. for you. They come <laughs> for you. They come for you. Oh my gosh, I've been uh I've been called I've been called a black white supremacist. Oh yeah, I've, I got I've that. Been, I've been called um some stuff I don't even want to repeat. I heard that. Um <laughs> I've been called uh Bootlicking Uncle Tom. Man, I had to look some um, stuff up. I had to start looking stuff I, up. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and the things that have caused this have been me saying, you know, I'm trying to remember the first thing that ever caused this. I think like in 20, early 2018 or late 2017, I, I said something about um, I said something about the the ongoing demonization of white males that okay. I that I see, you know, in the media, in music, in Hollywood, all the, this whole thing about just people trashing, you know, I don't know whether it's the hashtag white men suck hashtag or, you know, or like just people just saying, you know, real, all these flippant comments and just, you know, white men, this white men, this white men. And I'm kind of like, wait, hang on here. If you're against discriminating against people based on their, their race or their gender or whatever, why, why are those people who are claiming that's what they feel? You're just then going and doing the same thing. So that's kind of like what I saw with this ticket thing. With, with any situation, I've got a very basic rule. I apply the same rules to everybody. I apply the same rules to everybody. I try to treat everybody fairly. I don't care what direction it's coming from, who it's being aimed at. If someone's being racist, someone's being sexist, like I will, I will say something, you know, not just like, oh, it's cool if it's cool if I do it, but you know, they can't do it. Oh, I can do it. They can't do it. Only it's right. Like, that's not, that's not how it works. I mean, I just, I just reverse the terms. So I think, okay, right. If and you replace yes. the word white with black, how would this sound? Does anyone cringe? Yeah, you know, if you if if there's a music festival, I don't know. There's some rock music festival going on in uh in Tennessee, and they're like, okay, you know, white tickets are ten dollars. <laughs> if you're you know, black, because if you're black, like, if you're black, if you're Asian, minute. if you're black, if you're Asian, twenty dollars. And I know some people will jump in now and go, hey man, that's not the same. But the thing is, to me, I'm like, no, that's the same. Again, everyone is saying, well, we are facing it because we're facing it systemically. Like we're facing it on an institutionalized level. And I understand that. But then we mm. need to fight it at that level. We're not going to be able to do these very small grassroots, radic very like radical to a fault type mm. things and actually want to be able to dismantle anything. It's not progressive, in my opinion. And no. it lacks, like you said, it lacks thorough thought it mm. lacks thinking it all the way through it lacks the big picture it lacks the the goal it's very right now yeah, it's yeah. very um like let's just make a let's make some noise for this event right here right now mm. and you know we'll just take whatever consequences go with it so i mean i guess that is definitely what's happening at this point yeah so you talked about receiving some criticism and some hate but i'm assuming you've also had tons of support i mean i've seen support pouring Absolutely. out. I've had people even when I, now. you know, cause initially when I, when I posted the thread with the screenshot, I didn't expect it to go, I mean, <laughs> oh, you know, over 3 million people saw that. I did not expect Whoa. it to go remotely that far. And then um, after Whoa. it, after it, like it started going viral, uh, I actually realized that I hadn't mentioned you for, cause I initially heard, wow. I initially heard the story cause you'd obviously taken that stand and I was like, Oh crap, right. I need to, I need to give give this lady a shout out Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, even get her on my podcast. Cause I appreciate, it. you know, I, I kind of came back later. Cause over the weekend I was, uh, I tried to take Sundays off Twitter 
but it was the whole thing was like burning up over the weekend so i couldn't really completely detach wow. from it so Stay i wasn't i wasn't unplugged. really yeah i wasn't really on there i kind of checked in and was like whoa what's going on this thing is this thing is catching fire so what's the support been like actually what's the support been like the support has been like there's so many things that we could have predicted so of course i'm getting support from people that i wouldn't even be near mm. to start there's some people that are very hateful people but want to try to um you know tweak and modify this story to fit their agenda so we have a lot of people that are racist to black people that just are thrilled about the division right now oh, really? um oh yeah so that we get that of course they it's bottled up in just you go girl but as soon as i click on their page they're the most hateful people i've ever seen so i have a lot of that going on but i do have just genuine like to be i'm going to tell you what my favorite my favorite mm. supporters are right now and not to say to to discredit any others but they're the ones that touch my heart and they are um the mothers and the grandmothers of the biracial babies that are so worried about the life that their biracial babies are going to live mm. that is who touches me the most because they're looking for a sense similar to just the the black woman similar to the black mother there mm. we're every day we're looking for something that will tell us the kids are going to be all right you know yeah. every day we're looking for something that'll give us a sign that the youth is that the that the young adult generation as well as the children are moving in the right direction and will be able to make positive change and be safe and be understanding and have tolerance and all those things and so to know that even if just for that day i was mm. that thing for for those moms, grandmothers, whoever, um, that were worried about that, like, wow, you are giving me hope for the fact that it, it might be okay. Yeah. That is probably like, goodness sakes, because it, it just makes me think about, I wonder if my granny was worrying about that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, how many times my mother worries about it. I wonder, I'm not a black mother right now, but I, I don't wonder, honestly, because I, I kind of don't want to imagine it. it's painful, but, um, I know that there's so many so many mothers of color that are worried about their babies. So mm. um, that was very touching to know that on behalf of these, these babies, they're, that, that they're, um, their caregivers are feeling, their guardians and caregivers are feeling some type of positivity from um, just something that was innate to me, something that was yeah, yeah. like, you know, that was just a natural reaction to yeah. me. Well, you know, you'll find that, you'll get a, a ton of respect and are getting a ton of respect simply for having principles and living by them and not bowing down to the mob or the criticism Thanks. that, Thank that will come. I mean, I've reached this, I've reached the stage where I've, you know, <laughs> I've, 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 I've given up any hope of appeasing certain people. Cause I'm just like, you know what, like that, that, that ship sailed so long ago for me now. That I'm kind of like, look, I'm just going to be Zuby. I'm going to say what I say. Some people are going to like it. Some people won't like it. Man. Some people are, but it's like nothing can be thrown at me that hasn't already over the course of um, certainly the past two years. And um, especially in the world of music, you know, people are very quick to bend the knee or pander or as an artist, you want to be liked, right? You know, you create Absolutely. art, you make music, you want people to like you. You don't want to have conflict and enemies and all that kind of stuff for, for the most part, especially, I guess, amongst people who you feel are part of your community, whether that's geographically or, you know, however people draw those lines. In the U.S., people use the term a lot like the black community. 
it's not really a term I use myself because I don't think there is a black community per se, but I think, I think maybe on a local level, but when people talk about the whole U S black community, I'm kind of like, is it really a community? Like, that's not what the word community means to me personally. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't use the term. I don't use the term because how many million black Americans are there, you know, right. and they're all different individuals with different views, different experiences, different things. So I don't like this whole idea of just categorizing them as a block. That's you a know, good point. Like Cause I think that. it leaves room for ambiguity like this, where, where yeah. it doesn't leave room for that variance in views. Yeah, exactly. Cause you'll do this. And then they'll say, oh, you're you're not standing for the black community. And you're kind of like, well, you're a black woman <laughs> and you're, you're standing for oh <laughs> what you personally believe in. Like that doesn't mean every other black woman or every other black man is going to agree with you. But it's like, well, why should you? And you... just me being a black woman standing in what I believe in is me standing for the black community. Yeah. yeah. By just just doing that alone, whether anybody else agrees with it or not, living in my truth is mm. empowering to my people. Yeah, it is. If we would all do it a little bit more, we would be in a better place. Yeah. So, and then you can have the conversations, you know, if people think, man, you know, what the weirdest thing with a lot of this stuff is you'll find that people jump, jump straight to epithets and insults. Oh, man. Okay? What? I mean, I completely agree with your position, right? But say somebody who didn't, it's weird that they would just jump to accuse you of something or call you a bad name or call you some kind of slur or maybe even something racist rather than say, oh, that's interesting. Why did you make that decision? What was your thinking right. process? What are your views? You know, in, in which case, I think if you express them, it was, it's quite glaring. I mean, to me, it was very glaringly obvious off the bat. Right. Like, I, I, did, <laughs> I, did, I didn't need to like look into it. It's like, because that goes against my principles. Because my right. principles, like I said, doesn't matter if it's black on white or white on black or Jewish or Asian or whatever. <laughs> no, yeah, no, exactly. It's, you know, but I do have, um, but you know, I've got white people in my family. You know, like my, my sister, two of my sister-in-laws are, are white. And, you know, obviously some of my, my nieces and nephews are, you know, thus Absolutely. mixed race. So, and it's like, I've been over the race thing since I was like two. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I've just, been, I've just been over it. Like people drag me into this conversation and that one. And I'm just like, really? Like, I don't. It's, I it don't is care. touchy. It's, not, it's, it's heightened. Yeah. And I mean, for good reason, but it, mm. man, yeah, it's, it is definitely an exhausting conversation for sure. But it's like so, you said, it's necessary. So talk to me a little bit more about the the situation in the U.S. because I'm obviously here in the U.K. and I've grown up in a whole different part of the world. And I think that the the view on subjects like this between the U.K. and the U.S. I think is pretty different. Um, and I guess some of that is expected given the very different histories of the country. So in the U.S., it seems like there are much more, there are far more racial boundaries in general or racial delineations even like mm. people people identify with their race more in the US and people gotcha. talk people talk about race a lot more it's a much bigger it's generally it's just a much bigger deal there whereas right. in the UK it's not something that is really people delineate more along say class than gotcha. race right so in the UK you might hear people more talking about like working class and middle class and upper class but not so much like white people, black people, what, you know, it's, it's more the, it's more of a class distinction. Um, so that's one of the big differences between the UK and the US. But I mean, what's it like for you, say in, in Detroit, or what are your thoughts on that whole situation in the wider, in the wider world? I say one of the main things I want to point out is that it has changed over time. I remember mm. when I was younger, it was always something that 
it was it was kind of right in there with like religion and, and politics. It was something that you kind of try not to talk about mm. um, just to keep peace or or what or what have you. Um, and over time, because of things that have changed, current events, the media, our our actual um, ability to access news and things of that nature, and then also. Um, just so many different things have now made it to the point where we're talking a lot more about race, um, whether we feel as if whether we've done anything to find out anything about it or not. Everybody definitely has something to say about it because it definitely is something that touches everybody. There's nobody mm-hmm. who's un- unaffected. So um, it definitely has become more of something that people will bring up very nonchalant over over time though for sure Mm -hmm. it was something that we kind of was it was a little bit more taboo to to bring those things up but i think that change is necessary um just because of those of those conversations that we do need to have we need to know where we are we we are only going to get where we want to go if we know where we are and if we know where we've been we put a lot of focus on where we've been Mm -hmm. and and that's a good reason too because a lot of us were taught one thing where we're learning now another thing was the truth and we're learning a history that isn't necessarily ours on top of the fact that we had our a lot of our history taken from us so Mm -hmm. it's just like i think that these conversations are necessary i'm happy to be having them um i do think we need to be more tactful with them um more sensitive with them more tolerant and just Mm -hmm. more understanding it's it is it the touchiness hasn't gone away just mm-hmm. because we're doing it more frequently and at the dinner table and stuff like that doesn't mean that it's not as just as triggering. It's not just as touchy. Um, and that because we haven't been talking about it for so long, we need to understand that there are plenty of areas where we could be ignorant. Yeah. So, um, so, so I, overall, do you think it's, do you think it's good that this, that it's becoming more of a hot topic, shall we say, or do you think it was better when it was less spoken about? It's hard to say because with the good comes the bad, but I would say it's overall, it's going to be, it's good. It's okay. the only way we're going to get somewhere that we need to go. Um, we got to get this stuff out. Even if, even if it's just to say, to get it off of everyone's chest type of thing, even if it's a therapeutic thing so that people can see clearly, mm-hmm. um, that's necessary. But I think it's even bigger than that. It's, it's for that. And then from that does come the actual change. That's where, how we get the the needle move. We have to talk about it, figure it out, come together move the needle. So, um, I think it's necessary, especially at a socioeconomic level in conjunction with the race, because that is how we will get, like I said, that's how we'll get our agency. That's how we will get our power. That's how we will be able to claim our space, um, and not have to do stuff like this to do so, you Mm -hmm. know, we'll be able to have that, that pride. We'll be able to have things that are just true to our culture and, be expressive about it without feeling triggered by the sight of something that is different than us. Yeah. So I think it would make us again, like I said, which is a huge message of mine, more unapologetic with about who we are. Whereas we wouldn't even need to put anyone else or obligate anyone else to do anything in the conversation or in, in the event or in the anything we don't need to, put those types of obligations on other communities or or other races or anything like that, because we got ourselves so sewed up and we're so on the same page and we're so strong and ready to pour into ourselves that we don't even need to make that distinction. It's not even necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, it's one of those big topics where I, I don't want to say I land myself in hot water because I I quite like hot water. So I I tend to jump into it, but (laughs) I know that I've got a lot, I have a lot of unpopular opinions when it comes to, when it comes to a lot of this stuff. 
anyone who knows me is familiar with that. But um, it's always interesting for me to, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of conversation. It's, it's conversations. It's, it's why I have a podcast. It's like Absolutely. why I like to talk to people from, you know, people I agree with, people I disagree with, people from all sides of the political spectrum, different countries, different places, anyone who's got an interesting story, because it's all about, you know, just hearing those different perspectives. I mean, I've always felt that it, it's it's weird with me, again, because I'm in the UK, if I talk about stuff that's happening in the US from my own perspective, sometimes people criticize me just because, mm. hey, you're, you're not black American, so you right. can't even talk on this. And I'm kind of like, well, I can have an opinion on- And we need it, I we can, need it all. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> I can have, you know, I, the way I look at it is sometimes it's easier for someone to see a problem actually if they're not so close to it, right? If you're, sta exactly. if you're standing- you're so emotionally yeah, invested if you're standing a, If you're standing a couple inches away from a painting, it can be hard to see you know what what picture is this but if wow. you're looking from if you're looking from afar you're like ah okay i i i am not emotionally tied up in this thing i'm not right. i'm not historically tied up in this thing either you know um so i can look at certain things and be like oh okay well i think that 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 and that is a problem and i think that 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 and that is you know potentially uh, solution and right, it gives you opportunity to tell the artist you might have missed a spot over here while he's all yeah. close to the painting. Yeah, but we don't need the artist to say to then decide. Well, I would rather act like I meant to do that than mm. give you the opportunity to tell me that I missed a spot. That's yeah. the disconnect. You know what I'm saying? We're we're artists that are like in the midst of us coming to each other's aid. Like, hey, 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 this ain't hot. Mm. It's like, no, no, it is. It is hot though. It yeah. is like, <laughs> but it's not though. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, so charging it's charging different ticket prices based on skin color is not hot. It's not hot. That's not hot. That's not, <laughs> God, not, hot. That's, that's not the way. That's not the way. I, I so, can kind of sort of see what I think you were trying to do. You know what do, I'm saying? And that's but, facts. That's no. true. And I need that known. Like I understand the goal. I understand all of that. And I'm down with the goal for sure. But I this it's cool. I got some I got some stuff for us. I'm I'm gonna put some stuff out that'll really give us some um just some some knowledge on some opportunities that we have that, you know, don't don't discredit like who we are. Like we God's out here. I'm not trying to discredit any of that. Like mm. I'm really trying to make sure that our God self, like we are in touch with our higher power and we got to keep it. We got to keep it funky to do that. We got to mm. keep it. We got to keep it a buck. We got to keep it 100. You ain't never seen no hate work like you ain't no, never seen no. that work. So if you look at it for like an aura and let's say that when we have when. So now let's say now and and before. So when blacks are being oppressed now and even at a higher level, you get this, let's say you get this crazy orange and, and red and black aura, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's say that, you know, we decide we're going to do something that parallels that energy. Even if the group that does it to us stops, that aura in the universe is the same color. Mm -hmm. How are we gonna get any change in the actual, how we're moving if the actual energy that consumes the space that we take up is the same. Mm -hmm. I like that is beyond me. You can really take your shoes and socks off, stick your toes in the mud and get better answers. Mm. If you just ground yourself for a second, feel the breeze, you will understand that ain't it. Yeah. That can't be it. Yeah. I mean, from an outsider perspective, and I, I've thought this for years, I think that Again, I don't like to use the term Black America because it sounds so, you know, I'll, I'll use it because other people use it. Okay. okay. Black America, <laughs> the Black American community or whatever. I I feel like 
you know, some, someone, someone out there will get angry at me for, you know, for saying this, but that's probably the point. Right. <laughs> I feel like people need to un- acknowledge and understand the history, but move beyond it. I feel like people are dwelling and wallowing in the past, you know, even, even people who haven't grown up and lived through any of the horrible stuff that happened over the past couple hundred years, you know, maybe someone's grandfather or great, great grandfather directly was oppressed by certain people who are, who are no longer alive. And, you know, who's, but it's just like those grievances and that tension and that anger at some point, people like justified anger. So people like almost, people almost like to hold on to it. Cause it's like, absolutely, you know, it's like this thing that you can kind of weaponize in a way. And, you know, it even like has you, a sexual energy to it, which is why you get like, people get addicted to it almost. Mm, mm, yeah. And I just feel like, look, you know, cause people are always like, Oh, you know, but what about the history? Oh, you don't understand this. And I was like, no, I, I understand it. Like I've, st- I know, I know what happened. Right? I know, I know what happened in the past, but at some point as an individual, as a wider society, I just feel like you need to kind of draw a line in the sand and be like, okay, like, let's look to the future. Okay, right. And from here, can, we just use it as knowledge and power, not as. Yeah. What can be done now? Not, not how can we reverse this and do the same to other people no. <laughs> and do the same to other people, but be like, okay, look, this is where we are now. These are some things that are affecting us internally. These are the things we're doing to each other, which we need to cut out and stop doing. And anything that's, because I, I look at it like this. I mean, I had, um, do you know, uh, do you know Candace Owens? Yes. You familiar with her? Okay. Well, I was on her podcast on the weekend. Okay. Um, so yeah, you can imagine I'm getting some interesting, <laughs> a, oh, yeah. lot of, a lot of love and a lot of criticism both. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I said with her is imagine if you could completely eliminate all the racism in America overnight, you click your fingers, all the racism in everybody's heart, every race, it's all gone. Okay. Are these problems still going to exist? And the answer is yes. Hmm. So people spend a lot of time focusing on racism or what people might call white supremacy or this or that. But it's like, if you get rid of all that, the majority of these problems still exist, right? Young men are still killing each other in Chicago and in Baltimore and in LA and like stuff is still going on, right? So the focus needs to be on fixing these internal problems right? rather than always pointing externally and saying, oh, you know, well, this happened to my ancestors or this person's ancestors possibly did this, you know, and it's, it's like, I don't know. It, it, sometimes it frustrates me because, because I'm just no, like, it right, just, people just need to just move on from that thing. Like you can dwell, you can dwell on it forever, but the past, you, you can never change the past. The past cannot be changed. It's immutable. Right. It's there. You can say this was bad. This sucked. This go-. you can learn from it and be like, okay, let's not ever, let's not repeat any of those things again. Let's right. not do any of that again. And let's look to the future. How do we build bridges? How do we make things better? How do you make yourself better as an individual, as a family, as a community, as a town, as a city, as a country, all that. And that's, that's kind of always where my head is at. So whenever people try to personally kind of like drag me into that dwelling on the past kind of thing, I'm always like, yeah, I I get it. I get it. But, and also just switching to being more gracious and having more gratitude. I mean, a question I like to ask people is, uh, do you think you had it worse than your grandparents? And very few people can say yes to that. If you live in this modern era, you're living in 2019, you're in the USA, you're in the UK, 
You've got food. You've got food to eat. You've got water to drink. The electricity works. I'm like, dude, you're better than 98% of the people, right? <laughs> I'm like, 98% of the people in the world will switch positions with you. In fact, they're trying to cross the border, go across the ocean. They're, they're trying to do all kinds of things to get to where you are geographically. Okay. While we speak so, about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, again, I think maybe, maybe that's just having that more global more global perspective of it's being important. able to think like, it's yeah. important. I wish it was seen as an asset more often and look at, it was looked at as knowledge and experience and not mm. as, Oh, you've been in close proximity to those types of people. That makes you less of <laughs> one of us. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, I got, I got some things I can say. Yeah. I got some things I can tell you that you don't know about. Cause you haven't been in those positions. Mm. And I hate that. I have to say that. I thought that went yeah, I thought I thought we were just I thought we were I thought we were good on that. I thought that that was just a given, you know, you, yeah. you want to have a you want to have as many varying perspectives within your objectivity as as possible. So it can actually be true objectivity. Mm. Like I, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> and all, and another one is, you know, I mean, wherever you are at the end of the day, you've got to live with people. Right. Period. You're you're, yeah. you're you're in a period, you're in a country of. 350 million people. I'm in a country of 65 million people. And it's like, you, you, you've, you've got to get on with each other, whether, you know, so, so whether it's along racially, politically, social classes, sexes, sexuality, I'm like, look, you've all got to, you've all got to live with each other, with each other, man. If you're, uh, you know, in the UK, you've got, so obviously, I think 20, 2016 was obviously like, sorry, was a world changing year in many ways. Cause obviously in the U S you had Trump's election in the UK, you had, um, the whole Brexit thing, right. The whole leave vote. So, and the way that just kind of fractured and splintered certain people to me has just been crazy. Cause I'm like, it's been crazy. yeah, it's been crazy. Cause I'm like, you don't want to ever be in a position where you're demonizing like 50%, 50% of your fellow citizens. Okay. So if someone normally votes Democrat <sighs> and they just think, all Republicans are evil. Everyone who voted for Trump is this. Everyone, I'm like, dude, it's not, it's not like that. That's <laughs> right? a huge it's, amount of hate to have to maintain uh, in your own spirit. It's, like, it's like that's, dude, that's you, if you, if you think a hundred, if you think like over a hundred million people in your country are just these like evil, I'm like, dude, that's not, firstly, it's just, it's factually incorrect because right. some of those people might even be your friends and they've just been quiet about it. <laughs> Some some of them are, you know, with your your friends at school. Some of the, you know, those are they sort of teach like, you know, right. Pretty 50-50 on a lot of these things. Absolutely. So I don't I've never understood this idea of just wanting to I guess I guess I, I understand it in a way, but I think it's very silly and short-sighted to take this approach of just trying to silo yourself. You know, I'm just gonna interact with people who look like me, think like me, believe what I believe act like me in certain ways and whatever, it's like, yeah, sure. Associate with those people. Absolutely. But you also want to be reaching out and trying to understand other people's perspectives and, you know, going to different places, meeting different people. And I think if you do that, I mean, I, I know with myself personally, having been to 30 something countries and hundred plus different cities, it's most people uh, are cool, man. Like most people are cool. Just talk to people, engage people as individuals. As individuals. And you'll find that, oh, okay. You'll you know, meet a like, lot more decent people than you will. 
by far. Indecent. <laughs> Especially if you approach people with kindness. If you approach Absolutely. people with hostility, Absolutely. you're, you're going to get hostility back. It doesn't matter if it's online or offline. If someone just jumps into your Twitter mentions right now and is like, tiny jag, you know, your, your automatic reaction is going to be defensive. You're going to want to defend yourself. You're going to maybe if they call you something mean, you're going to want to call them something mean back. Whereas if they're like, oh, hey, no, no, no. And you're like, oh, cool. Thank you. You know, that's yes. not. Yes. <laughs> And, I mean, it's even very at a simple. chemical level, your body starts leaving out particular, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. get different things in your bloodline and your bloodstream when you feel those different things. So it's even at a, at a biological level, we're making people feel different types of ways before we even giving them a chance to mm. show us who they were before they felt attacked or exactly. before they felt um, intimidated by your aggression or mm. your, the narrative you're trying to push before you even introduce yourself or whatever the case may be. So those things, I mean, reactions are serious. We have got to start moving in a way that, like I said, tactfully, because that reactionary stuff is more detrimental. If we would have been thorough and tactful with our approach, a lot of the time, like I said, we'll run into a lot more decent people and, and decent reactions mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. So what is next for a tiny jack? Well, right now, this has put a huge rush on something that I had planned for a little bit later. Okay. Um, but... I am using this opportunity to make sure that I really sensationalize the ideas that I have to put equity and agency and financial stability into our community mm -hmm. um, for marginalized groups. Because I see now it must be either a lack of options that we thought we had or something. So I am not going to hear catch word of this and not share what I know. Um, mm. I would have shared it much earlier if I thought we were in this, in this condition. So, um, I'm definitely putting together content that can be fun and engaging and still definitely, um, tap on, tap those things right on the head so that we can get to these places that we're trying to go and that we ho hopefully eventually can come back together because I do know, I don't, I don't know them very well, but these girls were not like complete strangers. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? So I do. Is, hope is this that the, is this the organizers you mean? Correct. Okay. So I do hope that eventually, you know, they'll we'll we'll all be able to understand what happened, where to go, and all of that. But um, right now, I'm big on the awareness because, like I said, I didn't even know this was an issue at this level. This mm. was very eye opening for me. Um, and then just kind of getting together with the people that are close to me and my family that work with um, just like social work and uh, children and anything like that. I I used to be a child. I used to be a peer educator as a te as a teenager where. Teen Hype is a youth organization that I, I was a part of. It is local in Detroit. We used to just go out and educate our peers on navigating just at-risk situations. So whether it be through any type of art, uh, we did a lot of acting, a lot of dancing, a lot of shows, a lot of just lectures. But we went to a lot of DPS school, all of DPS schools, uh, Detroit public schools, and made sure that we tried to connect with the youth about these things from a peer level and not from a guardian or from a, you know, a, a position of power down to, um, cause I know that the ears, it doesn't always lay on the ears properly when it's coming from mom or it's coming from teacher or whatever like that. That's so true. I was a part of that. And then as, um, as an adult, I was a child advocate, um, through social work, getting children ready for, um, for court and things of that nature, uh, if abused children mm. of um, Wayne County, which is a county that we live in, uh, that Detroit is in, getting them ready to fight for justice for themselves, unfortunately. So mm. um, 
this stuff is close to my heart. And, and I also, but I said all that to say that I have resources. I have a lot of resources because of those positions yeah. um, and others, but those are probably the, the two I was most um, instrumental. And those resources, I plan to rally them up as well so that we can definitely use this op- as an opportunity to show what we could do and what we have could have always been doing and what is already going on and things that we can support that don't alienate anyone and that don't cause this type of rift in the goal. Awesome. Thank that you sounds so beautiful, much. man. <laughs> awesome. I'm just looking at the time. We're coming up to an hour. So why don't you let the listeners know where they can find and follow you online? Yeah, absolutely. I'm tiny jag, tiny, like small jag, like Jaguar, J-A-G. Um, tiny jag on Instagram. I'm Tiny Jag on all your streaming platforms. That includes Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal. Um, some stuff is on SoundCloud. I have stuff on Deezer. I know that's popular in like France. So yeah, all, but all your major streaming platforms, YouTube, I'm Tiny Jag on all of those things. The only thing I'm not Tiny Jag on is Twitter. I'm Tiny Jaguar. Okay. Hopefully I maybe have made enough noise now that they'll give me my name and not the person that only tweets once a month. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, but I am Tiny Jaguar on Twitter, but Tiny awesome. Jag on everything else. Where did the name come from? Last question. Yeah, Jag is my initials, actually. J-A-G. Okay, okay. And um, Tiny, I used to have, I used to date a producer, and for some reason, my first name, Jillian, he used to put small, tiny Jillian. He used to call me that all the time, and for some reason, the tiny stuck, and we threw it on Jag. And it was that as a moniker for me because I also own a juice business I'm also trying to get fruits and veggies in the hood so oh nice um, so it was really a moniker for just my position in the conscious community in Detroit Mm -hmm. but it ended up being my musical moniker once I once I got back into the music as well awesome tiny jack thank you so much for joining the show today Zuby man I could cry thank you so much for having me I appreciate you you're most welcome I respect you massively so uh keep standing up for what you believe in and keep thank you speaking out talk to you soon take care bye-bye Through meaningful dialogue and guidance, benign images help storytellers of all types tell the stories they have a need to tell. Whether it's through simple editor services, consulting on story structure, or helping creatives to set up an effective work habit, benign images works with creators to help them become better storytellers. You can go check them out and start your project with them today by visiting their website, benignimages.com. That is B-E-N-I-G-N images.com. Go check them out. Become a better storyteller, whatever project you're working on. That's benignimages.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.